We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, November the 17th, 2019. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's 30-6 loss to the Texas A&M Aggies. I'll go into detail on the offensive woes, injuries, the defensive effort, Will Muschamp status, Brian McLennan, the strength and conditioning coach, the status of this team as a whole, and much, much more. Also, a little men's basketball talk as we talk about the Gamecocks' big 90-63 to win over the Cleveland State Vikings on Friday, including guard play, guys down low, getting another solid non-conference win. What's next for this Gamecocks team? And much, much more. Also, news and notes to get to, including Gamecocks women's soccer and women's basketball having really, really good weekends. Your listener questions and voicemails and a ton more. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast for you to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit, not only do they understand, but they specialize in land financing. They've been doing so for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even mortgages and construction. There are, great, great, there are a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for up to 20 years, down payments for as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. So they're a cooperative, so they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So for example, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They've also got experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, we're all getting to that point. I know I'm getting to that point in my life where Whenever you're going to make a big life decision like this or take the next step, you know, buy some land, get some mortgage, that's a big deal in somebody's life, right? That's a big decision to make. And you need to make sure you have the right company, the right business in your corner, the right people in your corner. They're going to get the best possible rates for you and really set you up for success long term. I had a buddy of mine ask me the day, they found a track they want to buy for hunting because obviously Ag South Farm Credit does hunting land as well. Found a track they want to buy for hunting. What are the current interest rates? Obviously, we all want to know about interest. How much money am I going to be paying? What is that interest rate? So for Ag South Farm Credit, they get this question a lot, and it's hard to give a clear answer with so many variables. Their rates are competitive with other lenders, but rates do change daily. However, how long you term it out tied with your current financial situation also makes a difference. So just a quick conversation, they can get you a ballpark quote, but keep in mind, it could change based on the day and further analysis of your financial. So guys, to talk rates, give those guys a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Again, that's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C.com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South, the equal housing lender, NMLS 619-788. So again, visit their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S, or give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, let's get into it. All right, I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show to talk about. We're talking Gamecocks football, obviously. South Carolina travels to College Station, gets the 30-6 to loss. Talking South Carolina basketball. Women's soccer had a big weekend. Women's basketball had a huge blowout win on Sunday. So there's a lot to talk about, and obviously your listener questions, your voicemails. Before we get into everything, some quick housekeeping items I want to go over first. 
really quickly. Um, as always, guys, if you don't mind, whatever, plat whatever platform you listen to me on right now, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is, click the pause button. Do me a favor. Go leave a five-star review. Go leave a review with your feedback, your thoughts, things you like about the show, things you don't like, maybe some things you want to see or want to see more of. Let me know. I really, really do appreciate that. I think we're up over 215 reviews now on iTunes, which is awesome. Uh, the more the merrier, but if you haven't done so, please go do that. Also, if you're not subscribed to the show, I don't know what you're doing if you're not subscribed, but if you aren't, pause this, pause this show right now, click the subscribe button, you'll get notifications when every single show drops daily throughout the week. You will not regret you did so. So again, leave a review, click the subscribe button, easy stuff there, and really, really do appreciate you guys. Um, also, one other thing, uh, you know, obviously with the bye week, we're all kind of searching for content, obviously with basketball going on, there's plenty to talk about, but I figured this would be a great time, a great opportunity to do something kind of special. So we are actually giving away a Holinsky's Hope flag. I believe it's four foot by six foot. It's not the traditional three by five. I think it's a four foot by six foot Holinsky's Hope flag, which if you're hearing me right now, especially if you're on the morning commute, the tweet may not be up yet, the social media post, but I'll be throwing it up around noon on Monday. But uh, basically going to be kind of like a lot of the other giveaways that I've done where basically retweet the tweet you have to be following but we'll pick one random winner again have a big it's a big nice Helensky's hope flag it's the blue one with the uh you know h3 logo in the middle really really cool stuff and again just to spread awareness for Helensky's hope well but i definitely want to give the flag away to one lucky fan so if you guys want to take a look if you want the flag if you want to participate um just check out social media that will be there but one to keep you guys aware again it's, it's going to be pretty simple um if you're on twitter retweet the tweet if you're on instagram like the post and tag three friends if you're on facebook do the same like the post and tag three friends it'll all be explained in the social media post but just wanted to let you guys know um okay perfect let's move into south Carolina Tech saying and before we do that guys i want to tell you my friends over at my bookie guys during thanksgiving week my bookie's offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Risk-free bet here on the NFL game. So simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, guess what? Congrats as well. You didn't lose anything because my bookie's going to give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose, guys. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Listen, guys. Do you ever find yourself wanting to sports bet, but you have a lot of questions? Let's say you're watching NFL, you're watching South Carolina football, you're watching basketball, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I could make some money on the side doing this. Like, I know these teams. I know what's going to happen. I can see the upsets coming. Like, you know sports like that, but you've always wondered. You've always had a lot of questions. Maybe you, you, you've had some friends that have done it. You, maybe you've played with a bookie before, but you never gambled online with a, uh, with a sports book. If you have a lot of questions, don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag. Again, that's MyBookie.ag. And make your first deposit with promo code GAMECOCKS. And MyBookie is going to match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. Guys, that's on top of the risk-free bet. So if you put in $250 for that risk-free bet, right, use the promo code GAMECOCKS at mybookie.ag, they're going to match that deposit, give you another $250 to play with. I mean, it's a no-brainer here. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose again. Make sure to do your part. Support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get on the action with MyBookie. And remember, guys, with MyBookie, you play – you win, you get paid. All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> Here we are again. Here we are again. Um, you know, it's funny. I was putting together the notes for this game. Again, South Carolina losing to Texas A&M 30-6. But I was putting together my notes for this game. I was taking a look back at last week's notes, uh, last Monday's show after the, tech, after the, uh, the Appalachian State loss. And – I feel like I'm probably going to lose a lot of subscribers here because I'm going to start sounding like a broken record with this football team. It is like identical, the same exact thing. One of the worst South Carolina games I think I've probably ever watched. Such a boring game. Um, such a – just such a bad game throughout. I mean, start to finish a miserable football game for all Gamecock fans, for anybody wearing garnet and black. Um, just a game that was never in doubt and never even really felt close, to be honest with you. Like I said, I feel like a broken record here. I'm saying the same exact things as last week. Offensive woes, injuries, 
play calling, lack of an identity on offense, uh, you know, defense giving effort and playing decently, but nothing special. Fire must champ. I mean, the strength and conditioning coach, like questioning this team's willingness to play and effort and everything else. It's like the same exact thing. You take a look down the line of these statistics, guys. They really tell the entire story. I mean, Ryan Linsky, 16 of 41, 175 yards. Dak Joyner came in relief. Actually did some good things, three or four for 40 yards. The rushing stats are really what blows your mind here. 17 carries for 45 yards as a team. Joseph Charlton, your punter, is the second leading rusher. One carry for 10 yards behind Rico Dowdle, who had seven carries for 12. Guys, I didn't even realize this either. You know how crazy those numbers are? Especially Rico Dowdle, seven, carry for, seven carries for 12 yards. Rico Dowdle's first carry of the night went for 13 yards. He finishes with seven carries for 12 yards. Somebody explain to me how that happens. I mean, the night – let's just talk about it. The night got off to a terrible start. We find out, of course – we find out about an hour and a half, two hours for kickoff. Brian Edwards is in street clothes. He's not going to play. And that just sets it off right there. And it's like, why am I even surprised with a Will Muschamp team? It's like I said, it's like a broken record. It's the same thing over and over and over. Like I talked to you guys last week. Because, again, I, I don't really want to spend – I think some people get it so confused and twisted. They think that I want to be – you know, I've, I've literally – had people tell me that they think that I enjoy being on the fire everyone train like oh you you enjoy that it fuels you dude I don't want to spend this entire show talking about Will Muschamp and why he should not be coming back next year we did that all last week we've done that all season like it's beating a dead horse at this point obviously I still think everything I thought obviously it's still fire Muschamp and I think everyone really is in agreement at this point everything I think everyone agrees at this point but this team has two characteristics of a Will Muschamp team. It has the key two. Really, you could say the key three, but the key two. Really, really, really bad offense and unexplainable injuries. That's it. I mean, this is a Will Muschamp team. The offensive woes continue for this team. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, it is bad from top to bottom. I mean, the philosophy is bad. The play, callings are, the play calling is bad. There aren't a lot of playmakers to make plays. You know, love Ryan Holinsky. Love the kid. Love the kid. Not calling him out at all. Not, not, you know, not, at, not saying he should be benched. Three's not playing well either, though. I mean, some of the throws he made on Saturday, you're just scratching your head like, where is that ball going? I mean, are you healthy? Like, are you confused? Like, what is going on? Because I don't understand. Um, again, when you can't get any run, it's the, it was like the same. It's like we hit the copy-paste button from the App State game. That's what it felt like. It was the same exact game, except we played a better team. We got our, we got our butts kicked. I mean, that's really what it came down to. I thought, you know, the thing that I will say that I think I may have said last week, or I know Alex, Alex McGrath on the show last week said, and something I want to make clear, you know, a lot of people will say, and I, I think even I tweeted out of frustration, that pack it up, fans, this team has quit. This team has quit. And I, I think you're teetering a very tight line when you try to call out and say the team has quit. I saw some good effort. I saw some effort plays, especially on the defensive side. I really don't put any of this on the players. That's what's so tough. But I don't want to spend this entire podcast rehashing everything we went over last week. I mean, every show was about Will Muschamp. You guys know how I feel on it. You guys understand the, the reasons behind my thought process. And games like Saturday night only reassure that thought process. It doesn't do anything to – I didn't learn anything Saturday night. Did anybody else? Did we learn anything? We didn't learn it. We just reconfirmed what we already knew. That's really all Saturday night did. You know, I will say the one thing offensively, and again, there's only one game left in the season. The season will mercifully come to an end in two weeks. It's funny. I woke up Sunday morning, and as bad as this sounds, I woke up Sunday morning, as bad as it sounds, that was my number one thought. My positive thought was 
man, we've only got to watch this team one more time. <laughs> and it's nothing against the players, obviously. Nothing against the players. I think the guys are busting their asses. I thought there was a lot of high-effort plays. You want to highlight, we'll start with positives. Shai Smith with a really nice 41-yard reception down the sideline. It's amazing what happens when you throw the ball down the field to a playmaker. Let him try to make a play. I thought J.J. and Igbare played phenomenally. Uh, had a couple sacks on Saturday night. Looked really, really good. I thought Javon Kinlaw, he didn't have his, his best game by any means, but a guy that caused some havoc. Um, you know, listen, I know, I know Texas A&M had a lot of yards. 319 yards rushing. 221 yards passing by Kellen Mond. He had a touchdown. But when you leave the offense, when you leave the defense on the field, I mean, Texas A&M time of possession, 41 minutes and 39 seconds. Any defense is going to wear down. I mean, there's just not much you can do there. You know what I mean? I thought the defense played with a lot of effort. Again, they gave up 540 total yards. I'm not going to sit here and say they played great by any means. You know, I'm not going to say they played great, but they gave a lot of effort. I, I don't think this is a team that has quit. I think this is a team that's lost confidence. You know, I think this is a team that hears the chatter. I think they're frustrated. But I, I think we all, again, everyone knows how I feel, and I, I blame the coaches here. From the top down, it's, it's bad. It stinks. It's bad. It reeks of just a Will Muschamp coach team. We are the 20 – we are the Florida Gators of Will Muschamp. Like, we are Will Muschamp's Florida Gators teams. To a T, we're the exact team. We are those exact teams. That's what we've turned into. Um. So again, I mean, a couple, a couple positive, you know, a couple positive spots. I mean, Joseph Charlton, give a shout out to him as well. I mean, avoiding a disaster play before the first half, jukes a guy out, gets a first down. Probably the play of the night, really, when you look at it. Um, I just, you know, the 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 loss of Brian Edwards in pregame was probably the most absurd. I just the most absurd thing. I mean, listen because I see some of you on social media and just there's just some people around that, you know, Will Muschamp doesn't owe fans anything in regards to injury reports. He doesn't need to, you know, let out that information. You know, you're right. He doesn't owe me anything or you anything. He doesn't owe that. But, God, are you not just sick and freaking tired of the guy blatantly lying about injuries? That's what he's doing. It's a lie. It's a lie. You're lying about injuries constantly, week after week. I mean, this is a weekly thing. This is not like a once-every-season thing. How many times has this happened? This is something Will Muschamp is known for, locally, nationally, everything. He's a guy that lies about injuries. He doesn't tell the truth in injuries. How is that, how is that something that is a positive to be known for? That I'm known for being vague about injuries. How, how is that a positive thing? So that, that was obviously – that got the night started off on a really bad foot. You know, you can't move the football. Again, it was a slow, painful death is what it felt like. We, we felt like what happened. It was a slow, slow, painful death. The decision to kick the field goal in the fourth quarter – down 30 to three was probably one of the more embarrassing things I've ever seen. Um, beyond, beyond words, beyond reason, that is Will Muschamp to a T. That, that is who he is. <laughs> you know, Ray Tanner, everybody wants to talk about that progress we're making. Is that the progress? You want to kick that field goal in the fourth quarter so we can have that, put that feather in our cap? We scored in both halves. I mean, I, I don't understand the point of it. You're down 30 to three, bro. Just go for the touchdown. Who cares? Who cares at this point? That was that was a mind-boggling call. But again, we didn't learn anything new on Saturday night. We didn't. I didn't. All Saturday night did was reaffirm my exact thoughts previously on this football team. Will Muschamp, this program, the direction of this program, and what this program has become and where it's going under Will Muschamp, which is not a positive place. Um, you know, just, just speak, cause we're, the season's about to be over, you know, just, just speaking on that, but I mean, Brian, Mc, you know, unless Clemson goes brutally bad and almost forces USC's hand, I don't think Will Muschamp is going anywhere. I think the statements you've heard have made that clear, but by the way, how can anyone botch a statement release as badly as Ray Tanner did? 
I mean, I maybe I understand if he thought he was trying to do some good and back his coach and but like they were talking about it on the SEC network broadcast and it's like, you know, when you have to come out and say something, things aren't going very well. Like just don't say anything. And then he comes out on Sunday, I think it is, and backs up why he said like, dude, just shut up. Just shut up. This is not a good time to speak out. This <laughs> is not a good time to do it. But with what I was going to say, Will Muschamp's probably going to be back in 2020. But, my God, Brian McClendon, your strength and conditioning coach, they've absolutely got to be gone. I mean, there's just no way. There's just no way those guys can come back. None. Again, I think if Clemson goes badly enough that Will Muschamp may get the ax. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not getting my hopes up. I don't want to be optimistic about it. Here's one thing I do want to speak on, though, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but what I think is kind of funny when people talk about the buyout and stuff like that, like, dude, do people realize, like, we're not going to give him $18 million up front. Like, this is a buyout that will be paid over, like, a four-year period. So, basically, how I'd break down is we give him, like, 300000 in the month of December, and then, like, $3 million or something, or three point two five or something for the next, like, four or five years. You're telling me the University of South Carolina couldn't afford that? That's a joke. Of course they could afford that. So, just something I was thinking about, the buyout thing. We all had the conversation, like, oh, can you can't afford 18 minutes. Like, I mean, it is 18 million, but it's over a span of, like, five years. Like, I think the University of South Carolina could bite that bullet. But, it, it, you know, just anyways, back to the field, back to this game. You know, I, I came in this game, was very worried about the matchup. I mean, the game went pretty much as I expected, except that I, you know, because I, I picked 31 to 17. You know, A&M kind of did what I expected them to do. But I expected us to have just a little bit of life on offense. I mean, I, I didn't think we'd get, pit, you know, basically shut out as far as touchdowns are concerned. So, you know, going back to the offense, um, again, it's bad from top to bottom. Schematically, it's bad. The philosophy's bad. I, I don't know what happened to the identity. I don't know how. I Guys, I know you all have that, those questions. I can't explain how we can rush for X number of yards against this defensive line, but we can't get a push against App State. We can't get a push against Texas A&M. I don't understand it. I thought this offensive line was, was decent. It's not. This running game is not. Rico Dowdle coming back did nothing. You know, I, I can't explain it. One thing I will say, though, and again, this is not to – this is not to, like, light a fire under anybody or create a controversy or, you know, put down Ryan Linsky. I, again, he's not the reason we lost. Does he have to play better? Yes. But do I think he's in a very poor offensive system? Do I think he is suffering from a lack of creativity and being under a head coach that is known for having bad offense? Yes, I do. And it's exactly what I said a couple weeks ago, that I'm scared to death that Ryan Holinsky's career is going to go down the tube because we're letting Will Muschamp dictate it. But anyways, what I will say is this. You know, Dak Joyner came in the game Saturday night. I thought he did some okay things. I thought he had a great throw down the sideline to Trey Atkins. I know the kid got laid out, but fantastic throw. Dak Joyner's got some arm talent. And obviously we know what he can do with his legs. Damn near gets a first down on a fourth and – 16 and on a play which probably should have been called targeting some of the you know I'm not really even going to go into the referees but some of those calls were very very suspicious but uh, as far as targeting is concerned but what I'm going to say is this is like you know Ryan Linsky again you look at the statistics 16 of 41 for 175 which again it's crazy the way these games are like carbon copies of each other Every game you can expect, we're not going to run for damn near what we need to run for. We, Brian Linsky's going to throw it 40-plus times, 50-plus times, and look like shit. That's pretty much what – that we're following the same script every game. But what I was going to say is that with Ryan Holinsky, with those stats, whatever it is, whether it is bad play calling, whether he's just not playing well, if we can't throw the ball any better than that with Ryan Holinsky – wouldn't it make more sense to just put Dak Joyner in? Because the reason Ryan Holinsky is your starting quarterback is because he can throw the football at a high level, supposedly, which we know he can. We've seen him do it. We know he can do it. But if he's not performing up to that level in the passing game that we expected, 
why not put the carry-on joiner in? Because at least, guess what? Because at this point, it seems like their throwing capabilities are pretty even. Just at right now. But Dak Joyner can run. You, you add another element to the offense. Why not give Dak Joyner more looks that way? Why wait until we're down by 30 points to put him in the game? Like, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy, and I, I love Ryan. I think he's the dude, everything else. But, I mean, at some point, it's just about being effective on offense, like scoring points. We, you got to score to win. You know, I mean, and if we cannot throw the football any better than that with Ryan Linsky, there's no reason to carry on. Joyner shouldn't be in the game. At least he has the ability to scramble. I mean, Ryan ain't got that. If he ain't throwing it well, he ain't doing nothing. Dak Joyner, he, he might be hit or miss with his arm for sure, but he's got playmaking ability with his legs. We know that for a fact. We've seen it. So, again, I thought the defensive effort, switch, switching the defensive side of the ball, was it perfect? Was it great? No. You know, Kellamon goes 20 for 33, 221, a touchdown, no interceptions. Um, again, A&M runs wild. I mean, Cordero and Richardson, six carries for 130 and a touchdown. Isaiah Spiller, 24 for 129. As a team, they rushed for 46 for 319 and two touchdowns. So, no, the defense left a lot to be desired. You know what's crazy? South Carolina – actually won the turnover battle <laughs> which is like which is very hard to believe won the turn didn't turn the ball over once that's just how bad the offense was so defensively I mean listen it wasn't a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination anytime you give up over 500 yards I don't care how long you're in the field it's a bad night bad night of the offense but defense did all it could do man played its tail off I mean you're on the field for 41 minutes A&M's got playmakers. They're going to break you at some point. So, I mean, again, what, what really more is there to say? You know, this game spoke for itself. It was embarrassing. It was pathetic to go on the road and put up that type of showing in your final SEC game, a game where you knew you had to have it to have any shot at bowl eligibility whatsoever. It's just embarrassing. I mean, it's just an embarrassing performance, you know. Again, there's nothing that I can really say about, you know, Will Muschamp, fire Will Muschamp, or there's nothing I can really – I mean, I've said it all. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to come back on this show and beat a dead horse and spend the entire podcast talking about fire Will Muschamp. We all know what needs to be done. We, we all know what needs to be done at this point. We, it's, it's clear. It's clear as day. Feel bad for these players, man. I really feel for these players. Because, again, I think we it, it's easy. Again, I Saturday night I did not see a lack of effort. Again, I know I was harsh. Some other people were harsh saying this team has quit. And maybe there are some guys on this team that have checked out. I mean, you know, there, there might be. But as a whole, like, I don't want to die on that ledge of saying, oh, this team has quit, this team has quit, this team has quit. This team is under bad leadership. I'd be willing to say – I'd even be – to stretch it and willing to say that it's a bad culture. The foundation's bad. It's bad from the top all the way through the entire organization or the program, as Will Muschamp would like to say. It's rotten. The program's rotten, Coach. And, you know, when you have a broken team and you have bad philosophies and you have a bad game plan and you don't know how to motivate your guys the way they need to be motivated and you don't know how to get them prepared the way they need to be prepared and you can't keep them healthy, games like this happen. You know, the, what really killed me, what really killed me was the post-game presser yet again. Will Muschamp feeling the need to bring up the stats of this is a staff that has won, you know, the, the most games over the first three years. Like, the, the need to bring that up. Dude, we're talking about this football game. Stop referencing that. Like, you sound like a bad used car salesman. Enough. 
Because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to sell Ray Tanner. He's trying to sell Bob Caslin. He's trying to sell the board of trustees. He's trying to sell this fan base that he's the guy. But just like his injury reports, everything's a lie. He's not the guy. It's all bullshit. That's all it is. He wants to talk about we have the most wins over our first three years. Congratulations. You know what your goals are that you set out? Beat the East and win the state. Those are your words that is literally printed on your facility. Have you accomplished either one of those goals? No, you have not. So why are you trying to pump yourself up like you've done anything? You haven't even hit the own, your own goals you set out for yourself. I had a buddy of mine also text me this, which I'm probably going to throw this up on social media on Monday at some point because it's baffling. 22 wins over the first three years for Will Muschamp and his staff. 19 of those wins came against the following teams. Three wins against Vanderbilt. Three wins against Tennessee. Three wins against Missouri. Arkansas, Ole Miss, ECU, UMass, Western Carolina, Wofford, Chattanooga, Akron, Coastal Carolina, and Louisiana Tech. That first three years, 22 wins, 19 against that following group of teams. Name me one plus win in that group. I mean, it speaks for itself. So, again, I, you know, I, it's just baffling to me. It blows my mind. Like, that, that's – it feels like Will Muschamp has built this program on his own delusion. Thinking that he is something he is not and is going to be a guy to get this program to places it's never been is what he said after the game. He's, it, it feels, you know, saying things like, this is the best team we've had since I've been here. Saying things like that, like delusional things. Because that's the only way you can classify what he said. It has to be delusion, right? I mean, there's just no way you can say something like that and this be the product. There's just no way. A four and seven team in year four? Going to be four and eight in two weeks when Clemson comes to williams Bryce and probably clobbers South Carolina? Again, I feel for these players because I think there was some effort out there on Saturday night. I highlighted a couple of guys. I think the guys on offense are trying their damnedest. You know, obviously, again, the Brian Edwards thing just got the night off to a terrible start. You know, you lose a guy like that, and we all knew, I mean, from that. I mean, heck, we knew going into the game it was going to be real tough. I picked a to cover anyways. But Brian Edwards ruled out two hours before kickoff, an hour and a half before kickoff. You just knew you, knew you had no chance from that point. So, just embarrassing – Again, I feel for the players. I think they're putting, you know, they're, they're fighting. They're fighting their tails off. I, again, I saw some decent effort. Again, has, has, are there guys that maybe have checked out? Maybe there are, but I think for the most part, these guys are fighting their tails off. But it's just bad coaching, man. I, it's, it's bad coaching. I mean, there's something deeper that I think even we don't see within the program. It is, something's rotten. I mean, it's just bottom line. And, again, I, I, I'm not going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about what I talked about all last week. But for those of you that still think that just changing the OC is all of a sudden going to fix all these problems, I think you're just, I think you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> I mean, this is Will Muschamp at Florida all over again. As much as he talked about how much he learned at Florida, he didn't learn a damn thing. This is rinse and repeat to a T, dude. To a T. I mean, this is the same exact thing that happened. It's the same exact thing. We, I mean, we are doing the same thing. So, again, just, just, just an embarrassing night. I mean, it's, you know, you look at this season, by the way. Five of the seven losses have come by double digits. Four of the five, uh, four of those five double-digit losses have been by twenty or more points, guys. Guys, I mean that's absurd. I mean that's that's ridiculous. I don't care if you lose, you lost your starting court. You can make all the excuses you want. 
bad offense, injuries, you lose your quarterback, you whatever. That's all it is is excuses. Everything's an excuse with this staff. And the, right now the, the culture of this program is excuses. That's what it is. It's excuses. It's delusion. That's, that's really how it feels. I mean, it's unacceptable. It's just flat out unacceptable. Everything about Saturday night was unacceptable. And I just, I don't think just a simple changing of an OC is going to make that big of an impact. I think you've got some pieces. I really do. Like, I think Ryan Linsky's a very capable player on offense. I think, I really feel like Shai Smith can be a playmaker. Obviously, unfortunately, there's only one game left in Brian Edwards' Gamecock career, and I don't know if we're really even going to see him on the field for it. You know, I mean, this season's coming to a close, and it's just a damn shame that, you know, this is, this is going to be the way South Carolina goes out, probably three straight losses to end the year. <laughs> you know? And, I mean, probably two of the three by more than 20 points yet again. So, an embarrassing night. Just, just a really, really embarrassing night. And probably one, probably one of the worst games, honestly, I've ever watched. Probably one of the worst South Carolina football games start to finish that I've ever watched. So, um, yeah. So, again, it's, it's hard to even put it into words, fathom it again. I feel like a broken record because I, I feel like we're just talking about App State all over again. We just played a better team. It was like the same game. So, um, really, really embarrassing. One thing I want to move into, I want to move off that game. I feel like I could just go on and on, and you guys have a ton of great listener questions that we're going to dive even more de- deeply into it. But uh, one thing that put me in a fantastic mood, like the best mood I've been in in a while, because as you guys can imagine, I mean, I love what I do. This, doing this podcast, making content, everything. It's interacting with you guys. It is great. But obviously, it is kind of brutal right now with the, the state of our team, state of our program, the, the, the hope or lack thereof that we have, like I talked last week. But something that put me in a fantastic mood, and I cannot wait to spend the next few months talking about it, and that is this damn Gamecocks basketball team. Man, oh, man, I was in the building on Friday night. It literally had me smiling ear to ear. Felt so good to watch a team that has a roster full of playmakers with a head coach that I feel pretty good about. I've been harsh on Frank Martin before. Feel good about him, though. Solid head coach. Proven winner at the college level. Has taken South Carolina to a Final Four. We all know the story. But – a team playing together, playing with effort, having playmakers. Again, I know it's non-conference. I want to talk about the game, though. South Carolina beating Cleveland State 90-63 to on Friday night at Colonial Life Arena. Moving to 3-0. and Some quick takeaways really quickly. Again, you got a huge win like that. Very interesting game, by the way, on Friday night. South Carolina, listen, was evident they were the, they were the better team. I, I, I kind of made a joke and to number 21 on Cleveland State. I'm sorry, but uh, – you know, there were some kids on that team like they should have been still in high school. I mean, like middle school kids. Um, you could just tell. I mean, the Gamecocks were so much more physically, um, you know, physically imposing on the floor, you know. But I will say this. Give Cleveland State, by the way, real quick shout out. Give Cleveland State credit. Those kids were scrappy. They played their tails off. And, again, why I said it was a weird game, Taylor two has because South Carolina was only up 45-40 at halftime. Crazy. I mean, Cleveland State, I think, shot the ball 56% in the first half. Gamecocks really run away with it and lock down the second half, though, to pull that 90-63 to 63 win off. The guards on this team, I've talked before, but every time you watch this team, one of my, if not my biggest takeaway, one of my biggest is just how many good guards there are on this team. I mean, if one guy's having a cold shooting night, there are three more guys ready to come in relief of him. And to have that type of depth, is so awesome. Obviously, A.J. Lawson leading the way, 28 points on Friday night. I mean, a guy that like, we all expect to have a huge year. But guys like Jair Bolden really can shoot the basketball. T.J. Moss, I thought, come, came in and played some really good basketball, played some good minutes. Jermaine Kuznard's doing some nice things. Trey Hannibal, who I'm going to talk about in just a second, doing some really nice things. There are just so, so, so many guards. Jair Bolden, by the way, I meant to put this on social media, but I don't know if anybody else – feels this watching him does anybody else feel like he kind of reminds you of Frank Booker like he's got a sort of kind of got that same type of game to me and they also kind of they don't really look alike but I don't know anyways their game is very very similar to me so the guard play just it's gonna stand out every time this team takes the floor there are so many high quality scorers on this team 
Um, another big takeaway again, down low. I think Williams, Levique, Jordan McCreary really starting to come into their own down low. Um, you're obviously, again, I talked about before in the season preview that you're going to need to use this non-conference slate to really find your consistent rotation of guys or to find your guy down low that you can really depend on, especially as the schedule gets tougher, you know, when you face Clemson, Houston, Virginia, and then you get an SEC play. I like what I'm seeing from those guys. Again, we're going to learn a lot more as we keep going. We're going to learn a lot more as the competition stiffens up. We're going to learn a lot more in SEC play. But there's definitely some potential there. I mean, these dudes throw down. <laughs> these dudes throw down. I still think we need to be better as far as rebounding the basketball, being physical down low. Um, Alonzo Frank, another guy down low that had a phenomenal game, had a double-double. I think he's really coming into his own as well. Going to be a really nice, solid player for South Carolina. But they need to continue to develop. They need to continue to get better. I know Frank Martin knows this way better than I do. But you can just see there's potential down there. They've got some potential guys down there. It's really, really exciting to see. Um, but overall, I mean, another solid non-conference win. By the way, Trey Hannibal, I talked about him earlier, absolute beast. Dude is a freak. You know, it, what, the, what the best thing about it is, too, with Trey Hannibal is that he's not being forced into playing time where it's like, oh, God, we got to play this true freshman. Like, they're being able to really, really groom him, which is just awesome to watch. He's not being rushed or anything like that. Um, man, he's got game. I mean, this, this kid, you know, I, I don't – listen, I don't know if he's going to be the best guard to ever play at South Carolina. I don't know if – you know, what he's going to really turn into as far as a complete player when he is a starter. But, man, he is an explosive, explosive athlete. Had a couple nice blocks, had a big – it seems like he's got a highlight reel dunk every game. You know, we, knew, we all knew he could jump out of the gym. But, man, he is a guy that – is really exciting. <laughs> like, it's really, really, really exciting to watch, and I think can, will continue to be so for South Carolina. Um, another big shout-out here, Mike Coatsar. I want to give a huge, huge shout-out. I talked about this a little bit on Friday in my post-game reaction, kind of just initial reactions of the game. But for anybody that watched that game, I think it was probably easy to see. You know, Mike Coatsar didn't have, you know, a crazy game on the stat sheet, I don't think. Um, you know, it wasn't like his best game or anything as far as scoring. Um, you know, five points on the night, two steals, 12 rebounds, you know, okay night. But he made a lot of plays that will not show up on the stat sheet as far as hustle plays, leading by example, just not quitting on the play. Like, I was really, really impressed with Mike in that regard. And I think it really does deserve a huge shout-out and a lot of praise. Because, again, this is a guy who is a senior who his career has been kind of hit or miss you know, coming in this year, definitely someone that South Carolina is expecting to depend on. But in a small game like that, in a non-conference game, you know what I'm saying, you, you could easily just kind of take some plays off and, you know, not play quite as hard as you would if you're playing Florida or Kentucky. But a lot of hustle plays by Mike Coates are, I think, leading by example, being that senior leader, setting the tone and really setting the standard for these young guys, these new guys. Great to see. Awesome stuff to see. So, Mike Coates are – Golf clap for Mike Coach. That that was that was impressive. That was very fun, great to watch. I think, and I know that's something that all Gamecock fans can appreciate. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it doesn't take talent to hustle. You know what I mean? To 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 work hard and to hustle and do what he did. So great stuff from Mike Coates. again, big time win though for South Carolina. What's next? Gamecocks take on Boston University. I will be previewing the game actually on Tuesday's show or tomorrow's show, if you will. Gamecocks play that game to, uh, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, Colonial Life Arena. I'll have a full preview on that added on with Alex McGrath's spot on Tuesday. So, very, very excited to talk about that game. Um, news and notes real quick before we get into these listener questions. Uh, shout out to Gamecocks Women's Soccer. Women's Soccer beat Samford 3 to nothing, advancing to the second round of the NCAA tournament. They're going to be taking on Notre Dame on Friday at 6 o'clock at Stone Stadium. So, if you can, get over there, support the ladies. Obviously trying to make a run in the national title, big-time win, um, and really, really good stuff. Uh, women's basketball also. This, this one was actually kind of funny. Women's basketball beat Appalachian State on Sunday at Colonial Life Arena, 92-50. to 50. But, guys, it was 35 to nothing in the first quarter. App State did not score until like 17 seconds left in the first quarter. I think at one point it was like 40, 41 to – three or something like crazy crazy I mean what what does it really mean the grand scheme of things I mean Dawn Staley's just got a good team we know Dawn Staley's a Dawn Staley's a, a, a gangster 
That's all it is to it. Her team's loaded. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Again, for a fall that has been as bad as it has on the gridiron, I think we can be very, very, very excited about what these two basketball programs are doing currently. So I, I know I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm pumped to cover these basketball games and just spend the spend the entire month of December talking basketball because obviously we're not going to a bowl game. And there's really no football besides, you know, signing day, and I'm, I'm assuming probably some coaching changes. But, uh, you know, I, South Carolina fans should be very, very, very pumped for, uh, for what's to come as far as on the basketball floor. All right, let's get into some listener questions, some voicemails. Have a ton of them. I'm going to pick out four or five here, but have a ton of them. Really do appreciate you guys, as always, calling in, leaving your thoughts, um, leaving your voicemails. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So we'll go ahead and jump right into these. What's up, Spurs Up Show? This is Frank P. calling from Connecticut, longtime Gamecock alum and fan. And I just have to say, uh, after last week, I didn't even watch this week's game. But then when I woke up in the morning, sure enough, the, the results were as expected. Let me guess. I didn't even watch, but I can tell you what happened. I bet you our defense looked good early. Our offense looked bad. And over time, our defense tuckered out and gave up some points. Right? I mean, if I didn't even watch, I bet you that's what happened. Uh, my criticisms are not an indictment of the players. I support them. But something has to change on the coaching staff. Go Gamecocks. All right, Frankie, appreciate the voicemail as always, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like, again, we're following a very disturbing trend in regards to, I mean, how these games go. Like you said, it follows a script every time. These games follow a script every single time, and it's just, it's baffling. It's baffling. So, appreciate the voicemail, though. Hey, Caroline, Jackpot here. Man, I'm telling you, after watching this game and re-watching it, Saturday night, I just am so angry at the unwillingness to do anything different on offense to try to get an edge. The season is lost. You have nothing to lose. Why not go for something broke? Just go broke. Do something different. Run the freaking Statue of Liberty play. I don't care what it takes. But these guys, this piss-poor offense, Brian McClendon, Will Muschamp, the piss-poor offense that we have ruined a pretty good Performance by our defense. They had A&M at 13 to 3 for 10 minutes left to go in the game. Of course that defense is going to be worn out. They were on the field for 41 minutes. I don't know, man. I'm just sick and tired of it. I can't blame uh, Ryan Holinsky. I mean, the kid hasn't played under a competent staff. All these guys are bums, and they need to go. They get paid a lot of money not to do stupid crap. And all they have done this season is stupid crap. But, hey, I'm still big bullying for the Gamecocks, baby. Spurs up to my toes up. All right, Jackpot. Appreciate you, man. Really, really good stuff. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's there's no indictment on the players. It's an incompetent staff. I don't even really indict Brian Alinsky. I've already told you guys that, you know, my biggest fear, again, is that his talent is not being utilized and will not be utilized under Will Muschamp and his staff and whoever he brings in at OC. Um, you know, again, you, you make a good point because I said last week that, one of the – I don't know if it was a key to the game or what it was, but basically <clears throat> my message would be, I mean, let it all hang loose. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. It's, like you said, the season's pretty much gone anyways. Um, I, yeah, so, I mean, frustrating, very frustrating. It's just beyond words, man. Like you said, I thought the defense played their asses off 13-3 with 10 minutes left. But like you said, when you're on the field 41, 42 minutes, it's – you're going to break at some point. So, um, appreciate the voicemail, Jackpot. Hey, Chris. It's Dale from Ashfield. I'm uh, in the car heading towards Atlanta going to see Eric Ferris Luke Combs. Uh, last night's game, man, is atrocious. It is so embarrassingly bad that I just – I don't know. I don't think I'm going to come to the Clemson game. I don't – and I, I don't, I'm not selling my tickets. I just want – I want them to know that I just don't care to be there. I don't I don't support, you know, the coaching staff. I love the players, man, and I won't be surprised if uh, Brian Edwards chooses to sit out the Clemson game. He has a bright future ahead of him, and he's a, a game card for life, and I won't take anything away from him if he does uh, decide not to play that game. But uh, last night, man, the offense, 
you know, when your punter has to do a behind-the-back trick shot and he ends up being two yards shy of the lead rusher on the team, I just, I can't, there's no answer. The, the injuries aren't an answer. It's not, it's not the players. It's the coaches. And, um, you know, I, I just, you expect so much more out of a, a power five program that no more than six years ago we were where we were. And now we, we just, we're nothing again. And, and I, I don't like it. Obviously nobody should like it. We, we lose games week in and week out that, that are just in, in baffling ways. Not close. We get the crap beat out of us. And, and God, God knows, man, I, I won't be surprised. You know, I kind of, you, you, you hate to sit and pose. Could all of Clemson's second stringers beat, beat us, beat our first string? Hell, I don't know. But that's embarrassing and that's, that's the last straw. And, and I think that the president, president doesn't like it. Kathleen does not like Muschamp. And I think he'll make a change if, if we get smoked at home again by Clemson. But, um, anywho, man, I, I won't be there. I, I've given up hope this year, but we'll be back next year, man. Spurs up, go Cox. All right, Dale, appreciate you, man, calling as always. You know, I think a lot of the things you just said about the Clemson game, feelings on the game, but definitely feelings, you know, approaching the Clemson game. Obviously, we're going into a bye week, and then it will be Clemson week. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the feelings you have are a lot of South Carolina fans feel the same exact way. Um, you know, just as far as, you know, feelings on not really wanting to go. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, he's saying that their second stringers could beat our team. I mean, who knows at this point? I mean, it's sad to say and it's a sad reality to think about, but it's just kind of where we are. So, kind of where we are. So, we'll do a couple more here. Then we'll get in these listener questions and wrap it up. What's going on, man? This is just your boy from Charleston. Um, just wanted to update you because I don't know if you know or not. Uh, I'm sure you do, but uh, – you know, I'm looking at the stat sheet and everything on ESPN, and uh, you know, our boy Joseph Charlton is the leading rusher for the Gamecocks with 10 minutes left in the game. That tells you everything you need to know right there. Have a great rest of your weekend, bud. Go Cox. Short, sweet, and to the point. I love it. Appreciate the call, man. What's up, boy? Uh, it's just been another example of – uh, a team in the Muschamp era not being ready to play. Uh, the street conditioning staff not having them ready to be healthy for a season. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Minnesota, Clemson, uh, LSU now. Uh, I think we need a head coach who can recruit, who can inspire, and more importantly can hire a good staff that's not full of their buddies uh, that can actually call plays on a Saturday. Recruit guys, or not recruit guys, coach guys in the NFL. Uh, I think Shane Beamer would have a chance to be that guy. Uh, we need a head coach, not a coordinator. Uh, certainly, that's what Will Muschamp is—a career DC, uh, not at all a head coach. So, I think it's time for us to get a head coach who can actually coach, not just call defenses. Um, but I think, you boys, John, appreciate the voice, man. A lot of good thoughts. I, I kind of agree with you in the sense of like this good old boy system with coaching. Like, it's been going on for a while, obviously, but it's got to stop, man. Like you're saying, I mean, <laughs> give me a staff full of people that can coach and call plays and make it happen on Saturdays versus your buddies and all that. Like, that's pretty much what this staff feels like, too. It's all must-champ buddies from Florida and Auburn and, you know, all that. I mean, it just – nah. Let's, let's, let's get some guys that are, like, legitimate coaches and build out a staff. Um, all right, let's do two more here, and then we'll get into the uh, getting listener questions. Hey, uh, love the podcast. Um, long time fan. Uh, first time calling in. I just, I just last night. I've, I probably can count on one hand the amount of times that I've actually not watched the Carolina football game, and I actually willingly turned off the TV last night because I just could not watch. I mean, we can't even get a first down. Like, no one is catching the ball. We're it's it's really really sad to watch and I just like keep thinking in my mind about like how most champ 
is always saying that he's such a good salesman, and I just really, really feel like he's got them bought into some kind of pipe dream, and they just are really buying into what he's selling because I think he's a really good salesperson type guy, and he's he's not the dude. I I really am afraid of what Clemson's going to do to us in two weeks. Um, our defense is actually playing well, so I'm not really concerned. I'm just really concerned that we're going to actually score zero points. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just really ready for next season. I really, I agree with you. I'm ready for the season to be over. Um, you know, forever to be, all we can do is keep supporting our team, but it's really hard right now. Um, go Cox. Have a good day. All right. Appreciate the voicemail. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. I mean, it, it's, it's tough right now. Um, obviously that Clemson game, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll definitely dive into that starting next week, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not fun to think about what's going to happen in two weeks for sure. Um, you know, Clemson's going to come in wanting to beat our tails again. And uh, I'm not sure there's anything we can realistically do about it if they want to. So, um, yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. And really, you know, I was thinking that before I heard your voicemail and then I heard that and it sort of reaffirmed my thought or just kind of reassured uh, my thoughts, if you will, that Will Muschamp is starting to come off really badly as like a used car salesman type deal. You know, I know everybody jokes that Dabo is that guy, but, like, that's what it feels like Will Muschamp is at this point. Like, him lobbying for his job and, oh, look what we did the first three years and look at this. Look, Like, dude, like, enough, enough, enough with it. You know, so, um, yeah. And so, I mean, like you said, it's tough right now. All we can do is just continue to support. But, uh, yep, like I said, I, my, my positive from this or Sunday morning when I woke up was we only have to do this one more time and the season's over. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Just be honest. Um, all right, one more voicemail and we'll dive in these listener questions. So, it's Ice Cold Hunker here from Twitter. just wanted to call it. Listen, I understand the fire must camp. The only problem with that is if you're going to spend $18 plus million because you're going to have to pay for all of his assistance and everything else, the next hire has to be a splash. If you're not going to get a Bob Stoops or Urban Meyer, you're not going to spend $18 million to get some up-and-coming, possibly the next great thing, but there's, there's no certainty. So I don't know how the administration can justify spending that kind of money to get rid of this coach and bring in nobody. So if they're going to spend 20-something million dollars on this, it's got to be a big hire. It's got to be a proven winner. And I don't know if they can get somebody out there that's a proven winner. That's just my thought on it. I love the show. Thanks for everything. All right. Appreciate the voicemail. Um, So this is a really interesting conversation. I'm really glad you called in and left this voicemail and gave your thoughts the way you did because I actually disagree. I, I don't think you have to – because here's the thing. A lot of you want to ask me, who, who do you want to hire? You want to fire Muschamp? Who do you want to hire? This is the only qualification I have, and it's very similar to when Steve Spurrier uh, resigned at South Carolina and we were looking for a head coach. Back then I said, I want a guy who is a young, fiery recruiter and who's going to bring toughness back to us and bring you know good defense back because we were terrible on defense at the time. We got Will Muschamp. He did fit the bill. Now, all I'm looking for now, I don't have a short list of guys. I mean, I could name off two, three off the top of my head, but, like, really what I'm looking for, I still want a young, fiery guy who's willing to come in, bust his ass recruiting, but an offensive-minded head coach. And I also don't want a guy – see, I'm kind of on the opposite of what you're saying. Number one, speaking on the buyout, like I talked about earlier in the show, it's not like they're giving him $18 million up front, dude. The school could afford to pay $3 million a year to Will Muschamp. They could. They, they could. Let's be honest. That they could 100% afford it. But I'm actually on the opposite of what you're saying. Like, if you could get a guy like a Bob Stoops, obviously, or an Urban Meyer, like, sure, be great. I'd almost rather, I'd almost rather take a shot on a guy, though, who is unproven, who, you know, maybe he's won at a smaller school or has done some nice things at a smaller school, but I don't want to take another team's sloppy seconds. And I'm not putting Steve Spurrier in that category because it's Steve Spurrier. You have to take him. But, like, Will Muschamp, here's the thing I will say. You say we need to get a proven winner. I just want to get somebody who's not a proven loser, which is what Will Muschamp was when he got to South Carolina. There's nothing wrong with taking somebody that's outside of the SEC footprint, that it's going to be kind of their first big job, and we're rolling the dice. 
I mean, again, I'm not, you know, listen, the Dabo Sweeney thing, that's a once in a million, and, you know, everybody's looking for that guy, right? But Clemson took a chance, and they found him. They gave the job to some wide receivers coach who had never been a head coach, and he turns out to be the best co- one of the best coaches in college football. Like, what do we have to lose? Just roll the dice on a guy who's a young, fiery, offensive-minded guy who is at least willing to come in, make South Carolina his own, and be creative on offense. That, that's just my two cents on it. That, that's what I'm looking for in the next head football coach. It is. I, I don't need a Steve Spurrier-esque hire. I don't need a Lou Holtz. I don't need a Bob Stoops. I don't need an Urban Meyer. You know, I, I really don't. If we got one, I guess, great. That'd be awesome. But I'd be more – but can you really afford another year of this? Because when you take a look at next year's team and next year's schedule and, oh, next year's coaching staff that will still have Will Muschamp as its head coach, where does your optimism come from? Like, how much better do you think we'll get, if at all? I mean, what is, what is another six-and-six six season going to prove to anybody? Like, what, what are we gonna? What, are we gonna go six and six next year and say, "That's it"? I knew it was right on the, on the right track. That's that six and six record, getting back to a bowl game. Yep, he's the man for the job. That says nothing to me. Like, because if you think about it, the only reason you're gonna bring back Muschamp is if you think he's gonna like. If he goes worse than eight and four next year, seven and five being the absolute cutoff. I mean, do you think he keeps his job if he goes six and six? I mean, and when you look at the schedule and the roster coming back, I mean, and then you look at what Will Muschamp's done, like, there's nothing to say we won't go five and seven or four and eight again. So, what do we have to lose? Like, let's just roll the dice on a guy, a young guy, young guy who's willing to bust his ass in recruiting, who hasn't failed another program before this. Why not? That's just my my opinion. I respect your opinion. I do understand what you're saying, and you want to make that splash higher, but, I mean, take a chance. Clemson did, and it worked, and I'm not saying it's going to be the same thing. I'm not saying you're going to have the same results, but you never know. You never know. So, I just think I don't like the thought process in the SEC of like we got to stick with the old good old boy system. Like let's let's all hire Nick Saban disciples. It's like we don't have to do that. Like let's let's get out of the footprint and just find a guy who's willing to make South Carolina's own that knows offense that's willing to go recruit and go sell the University of South Carolina to kids and their and their parents in their living rooms. That's it. The rest of it is all is all gravy. That's what I'm looking for. The next head football coach. All right, let's get in these listener questions. We'll wrap this show up. Uh, Peyton Muller, 16. I like Muschamp as a person, but it's time to part ways. Results-oriented business. Couldn't agree more. Um, let's see. Uh, Ford Wilder. We need to fire Will Muschamp, and we need to fire the OC for sure. Um, Wilkie.Simon. Any ideas on why our team is so injury-prone? It's within the program, man. Strength and conditioning is out of whack. Um, Mason Zandy spoke on it a little bit last week. Overworking the athletes. It. It's followed Will Muschamp since Florida. This is not a freak thing anymore, guys. These injuries are not a freak thing. This is part of his teams, period, point blank. Um, Underscore Jay Blanche, if you defend this coach, if you crucify the fan base, you're not a Gamecock. Um, Too many of the damn alumni and players are on social media pointing fingers at the fans. It's sickening. I pay for the gear and the tickets and the tailgates. I have a voice. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I think right now if you're a player, especially on this team, like you need to stay off social media. And, I, and there ain't no players listening to my podcast that are, you know, I'm speaking that to, but that's just a common sense thing. Um, you know, I think any scenario where you're demonizing the South Carolina fan base, the most loyal fan base in the entire country that's put up with the most shit of any fan base in the entire country, it's not a smart move. So, um Andrew underscore the underscore textbook. When will they finally get rid of Muschamp? I'm getting tired of watching this sorriness. Listen, I think he's back next year unless we get absolutely murdered by Clemson, and even then I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm sick of it too. Uh, Let's see. Brennan underscore Smith 47. I'm just ready for baseball, but the basketball team is looking solid. Hashtag great guard play. Agree. I'm very excited for this basketball season for sure. 
Um, most excited I've been for a basketball season in a long time. Um, let's see. Cap underscore way. At least we won't lose this week. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's see. Big Mitch 304. Do you think Muschamp can turn this train wreck around during the offseason? I mean, dude, you can go hire a new OC. You can go hire this guy, that guy. You can go hire a new strength and conditioning coach. At the end of the day, Will Muschamp is who he is. Like, I don't know what – like, the people that still at this point back Muschamp. At this point, if you, if you back Muschamp, I respect it. At th- I do. I respect it at this point. I don't know what gives people the confidence that this guy is going to become – all of a sudden become something he's never been. And it's not a small sample size, guys. It's year eight of him being a head coach. What makes you think he's going to turn – He's going to turn into something and going to turn this program into something that he's never done before. I mean, I just don't understand where that optimism comes from. So, I don't think he can. No, I don't think he will turn it around, to be honest with you. Uh, e. Karch 08, can Frank Martin coach football? We might need to check into that and see. I don't know. The underscore real underscore T. Crave, can't lose a bowl game if you don't make one. That's a very good point. Uh, the moose is loose. How many fans would it take to give USC the money to buy out must jump? Uh, let's see, do the math. $18 million, $100 a fan. Do that math for me and we can figure that out. Uh, last question, Christian underscore Campbell 23. All good points and I agree, but must champ will be back next year. Let's face it. Yeah, you're probably right. Saddle up, I guess, right? I mean, it's going to be a long off season with Will Muschamp returning as our head coach in 2020. That's, that's all I'll say. So, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Great show, great stuff. One last thing, if you're looking for tickets, South Carolina Gamecocks tickets, uh, tickets to any sporting event, concerts, comedy club events, especially with, a, like I said, being a basketball season, Gamecocks have games on Tuesday and Friday, soccer game on Friday, women's basketball is in full swing. Um, football game against Clemson, obviously, if you need your tickets, Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Why not save yourself some money in the process when you're buying your Gamecocks tickets? Or if you're going to anything else, NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, again, like I said, concerts, comedy club events, does not even have to be sports. If you need tickets for any reason to anything, like I said, especially if you're a Gamecock fan, Use a Gamecock promo code and save yourself some money. SeatGeek is the best ticket buying app by far. It's the only one that I'd recommend. They've got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So you're never going to overpay for tickets again. It really simplifies the entire ticket buying process. It takes the pressure off of you. You know you're getting the best bang for your buck. You're never going to be sitting there at checkout and be wondering, oh my gosh, am I overpaying or are these seats even good? SeatGeek takes care of all that for you. They tell you on the spot so you have that that peace of mind when you click the buy button. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go down the SeatGeek app, go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, as always, I'm Crystal from Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will talk to you tomorrow.